The journey that we're on as a church, um, we've been looking at who we are and what we are about. And, and the uh, projection will come up now and, and just remind us what our strap line is. It's knowing Jesus, making Jesus known. So anybody says, well, what's, what's this Baptist church on Gershwin Road? What's the, what are the people, well, that's all that about? And they say, ah, well, this is where we're at. We're a bunch of normal people who know Jesus and want to make him known. That's our strap line. And then what we can do is we can go through uh, core values. And this is what we pulled out from uh, Acts chapter 2, the last verses from 42 to 47. We pulled out the fact that our core values was ensuring that there's uh, a quality teaching about Jesus. Fellowship, the relationship that we would have together as God's family would be really important. That worship would be a, a priority Ministry, using our gifts and abilities uh, amongst each other and out into the community. And the last one uh, is this one, which is probably the easiest. Evangelism. Not the easiest? Or is the... Hello? Easy? Easy or not? It's a tricky one, isn't it? But let, let, me, let me give you a little bit of an insight. Here's the verses... Uh, oh, that's it. Evangelism. Is it easy? Question mark. Let's go on. Right. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This is what we were reading in Acts chapter 2. Everybody was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together, had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And read this last bit with me. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Do you notice what God's doing in this? You see, one of the things that I, I think I've kicked against big time with regard to evangelism is I believed, believed, my belief was, I believed, I believe, that it's my, my job. This is what I do. I, I, I've got to evangelize. Evangelize is, is about a clarion, it's about a call, it's about a proclamation, it's about speaking forth what you know. And hoping and praying that those who hear it will respond and align themselves with what you know. To evangelize. See, I was always on the uh, side of things that thought that this was something that I had to do. I had to do. You may even feel that it's something that you feel you have to do. But I want to twist that around this morning because it's not. This is something that you have the privilege of doing in partnership with God. You see, this last bit here, it says this. It said, and Dave added to their number daily those who are being saved. Can you see that there's an error in what I just said? Because it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about what God is doing. You see, here's a lovely thing. You can't save anyone. Just tell somebody that. By the way, you can't save anyone. Just speak to someone, tell them. Do you know you can't save anyone? You cannot save anyone. You can't save anyone. Right, so now we know that we can't save people, what we can do is we can take a, like a big deep breath in and go, ah. Okay, there you go. 
pressure off. Because it's God who saves people. It's God who pursues people. It's God who calls people into a relationship with himself. It's not you or me. There's a part that we have the privilege of playing, but it's not all about us. You see, one of the things that I love about this story here in Acts is, as we work together and see the teaching and the fellowship and the ministry and the worship coming together, what that builds is an atmosphere, an environment, where it seems that this last line can't help but happen. You see, as a church, we believe that we are a church, Basingstoke Baptist Church, knowing Jesus, making Jesus known. Right, that's where we're at. That's what we're saying we are. This is who we are. Now, the next part of that is five core values. We know what they are. But you see, what I recognise reading through these uh, verses is that if we get into the habit of teaching and learning about Jesus, of fellowshipping, of loving like Jesus, of caring for each other and ministering like Jesus, of worshipping Jesus. It's like so attractive that this here can't help but happening. The Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. In my opinion, in my opinion... If I was uh, bringing a baby into this world, this is a a really weird analogy, but go with me. What I would want is the home for that baby to be uh, safe and secure, that the baby's needs would be met, that it would be loved, it would be fed, it would be clothed, it would be nurtured, it would be taught, it would be encouraged through its life until it comes to a place of maturity and independence. So my desire then, as one who brings a baby into this world, is that everything that that baby needs to reach its full potential would be given. That's what we would all want with a child. That's no different to Father God. His desire is that when God brings a person into his family... He wants to make sure that his family, the church, the people of God, are the people who are able and capable, gifted and anointed to bring up that person to their full maturity in Christ. So when I read these verses, it seems that, if you go back here, it says, these people were devoted to teaching. So they were hungry, so they were hearing about what God really says. They were into fellowship. They looked out for one another. They cared for each other. And this is the church that God says, you know what, I'm going to bring you people here. You pretty much have just got to shine in these areas and you try and stop me from growing you. Moves on. Breaking bread, there's worship, there's dedication, prayer. This is important. You see, if we want to see God grow us as a fellowship, we've got to pray for that growth. One of the important things I believe we need to do, and this is something where I'm sure we will go, is that we're going to take seriously praying for the lost. There are members of your family who do not know Jesus. 
There are members in your, people around you, in your neighbourhood, who do not know Jesus. Now you see, the thing is, as I read scripture, the clear indication is that knowing Jesus, knowing God is good, and there is an eternal positive consequence. There's the presence now, but there's something for eternity. Not knowing Jesus, not knowing God, not having him as part of your life, has a very negative consequence. There is no eternity spoken about for those who do not know Christ Jesus. Therefore, we have to just ask the question, how much do I love my neighbour? How much do I love my family and my friends? That I would hold back this amazing, amazing relationship that I have with Jesus from them. But it's all about an overflow, you see. You see, once we start overflowing as a body of God's people, the family of God here, we are absorbing the teaching. We get to know more about Jesus and how he responds to people. We are worshippers. We love spending time together. We enjoy loving on one another. If you have need, we take care of that need. That's what fellowship and family does. And then what happens is the Lord adds to their number daily those who are being saved. You can't help but witness for the fact that you have a relationship with Jesus. And because you witness, people are inquisitive, inquiring, and desiring. Do you know what? I I want that too. I remember many years ago when I was uh, doing some work before I went to Bible college, I started a job as a chicken salesman. I might have used bits of this illustration before, but let me take you on a little bit of a journey. On my role as a, a, as a chicken salesman, there were some important questions that I needed to have answers to before I could sell to a customer. And one of the things that I found is, as I read this passage from Luke chapter 18, I started to project upon it my salesman's questions. This is a story you have all heard before. Let me, let me read it to you. A certain ruler asked him, that's asked Jesus... Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except for God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honour your father and your mother. All these I have done since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, Still you lack one thing. Sell everything that you have. Give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When he heard this, he was very sad, because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, who then can be saved? Jesus replied, what is impossible with men is possible with God. Peter said to him, we have left all that we had to follow you. I'll tell you the truth, Jesus answers. No one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and the age to come eternal life. Do we know that story? Heard it before? Yes, Dave. Yes, Dave. Fantastic. Don't move too much because you'll start getting really hot. Here's a question. Number one. What is it? 
When you're selling anything, when you're trying to uh, get on board with somebody, uh, something that you have that you want them to have, you ask this question, I need to know what it is. What is it? Roy. Say again. You got the answer. What is it is the answer. That's right, isn't it? The answer is Jesus. The thing about it is, in the story that we've just read, we recognise that what it is, is not everything that everybody thinks it should be. Rich young ruler, has wealth, has influence, but he doesn't have what he needs to inherit eternal life. So the first question, salesman question is, what is it? Jesus heard this. This is the conversation with the rich young ruler. And he says to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Now before that, preceding that, Jesus asked him specifically about whether he kept the Old Testament laws. And he said, yep, I've done that, done that, done that, done that, done that, all the way through since I was a little boy. And then Jesus says to him, you lack something though. This is what I ask you to do. Sell everything you have and give to the poor. Do you know what is on offer to us from the God who created us is a relationship. It's not about regimented uh, conformity. We have to do this, we have to do this, we have to do this. It's about a relationship between God and me, God and you. When somebody asks me, what is this Christian faith? What is this that you're involved in? You are a minister of what? And my genuine answer all the time is that I introduce people into a relationship with Jesus. That's what it is. It's a relationship where he has done everything for me, as he has done for you. You see, when we start to live out the fullness of the body, the, 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 the church that God desires us to be, where we're going to see those five core values in operation, there will come opportunities where people will just ask you. I know there is a call for us to go. Jesus said in Matthew 28, therefore go and make disciples. There is a call to go, I don't deny that. But there's also a call to make sure that wherever we go, we're able to speak of who we know. So as you go and continue going, whether you go into your neighbourhood, whether you go into your workplace, whether you go into the shop shopping, whether wherever you go, the Word of God reminds us that we should have an answer for the hope that we have. And the hope that we have is an amazing relationship with the God who created us. So what is it? What is it? It's not rules and regulations. It's about a relationship. A relationship between God and us. Next question comes along though. What will it do for me? So there's a question, isn't it? What will it do for me? So when I was selling chicken, I knew what I was selling, whether it be breast meat, leg meat, thigh meat, whether it be whole chicken, half chicken, whether it be chicken Kiev's, chicken cordon bleu, southern fried chicken, we did the whole lot. I knew what I had, but then I would stay would ask, you know, okay, so what difference will it, well, the margins, you can sell this for this much, 
but we've sold it to you at this price, therefore your profits will increase. That's how it goes with chicken, just in case you didn't know. But what about our relationship with God? What will it do for me? Well, the thing about it is, is that our relationship with God transforms us. Oh, this is what the scripture says, isn't it? When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing, sell everything you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. What will it do for me? It will give me what I cannot get for myself. It will give me what I cannot get for myself. I can't get treasure in heaven. The only way that I can have a relationship with God is by accepting his love towards me. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes will not perish but will have eternal life. The treasure. I have a relationship with God. I have the best that I could have and I can't get it for myself. What will it do for me? It will change my life. You see, before I came to Christ, I was going my way. And how many times have I heard that tune sung or played at funerals that I've led? I did it my way. Whereas God says, don't do it your way. Do it my way. Go God's way. What a transformation happens. What will it do for me? It will change your life. You won't be the same again. And you see, people who are not the same are noticeable. You stick out, you're distinctive. You don't have to uh, parade around and, and do the sort of things that make everybody catch your eye. Just being a follower of Jesus is distinctive. Do you know why? Because you act differently. You go against the flow. You are transformed. And you've got to allow that transformation to fill your life. This is what the Bible says. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5 that when you come to Christ, when you give your life to Jesus, the old goes, the new comes. Therefore, if anybody's in Christ, he's a new creation. You're a new creation. Brand spanking new. How amazing is that? What will it do for you? It will completely renew you. You'll be brand new. You'll have God who created you living on the inside of you. And you'll acknowledge and know that he is for you and he loves you. What will it do for you? It will transform your life. And here's the cost. This is the bit, isn't it, where we get uh, sometimes a little bit concerned. Okay, I, I hear what you're saying, but is there a cost involved? And the truth of the matter is, yes, there is a cost involved. What is the cost? Anybody got any idea how much does a relationship with Jesus cost? What's that? Nothing. It's a free gift. That seems like a good deal to me. Seems like a good deal to me. Do we agree with Debbie? This is a free gift? A relationship with God is a free gift. Absolutely right. The thing about it is, it's important that even though it is a free gift, this is what the Bible says, and I shared shared John 3.16 just a few moments ago, that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. He gave, it was a gift to us, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It doesn't cost us anything. But you see, what's really important is that when we invite Christ into our life, we need to also take on board that there will be a transformation that may be costly. 
I saw this video. It's an old video. Um, I think it's about 2001. It's uh, an advert for uh, the Visa credit card. And uh, it just helps you to understand that sometimes before you step into something, you need to make sure you count the cost. Ooh. You sure about this? I want everyone to know who I love. How much is this again? Fifty. 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 When we think about the cost, it's a free gift. We know that our relationship with God is a free gift. But also, we also recognize that it will cost us something. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. This sounds like it's quite expensive. Following Jesus means there'll be some changes. And when we talk about taking up a cross, you know, you've got to carry a cross. The thing to take on board is that the cross was a form of punishment. You know, when we ask for a cross, which is what we ask for as we come into a relationship with Jesus, we say we're going to take up our cross daily. They're not leather covered and padded, they haven't got memory foam on them, they're not lightweight fiberglass, we're talking about beams of wood, sawn out and rough, nails, there's a price to pay. Some of the things that Jesus is asking you to do, because you love him and he loves you and you're walking with him, will be painful. A number of times I've met with people who have talked to me, yes, I'm I'm following Jesus, but there's a decision that needs to be made that's probably a little too far on for me to make. And here's my heartfelt answer. Then you stay here. That's where you stay. It's simple like this. Here's Here's an example. Jesus said, Believe and be baptised. Have you read that? Have you heard that before? You see, a believer is a follower of Christ. Somebody who says, Jesus, you are my Lord. Jesus, I am following you. Jesus, I want to be filled with you and represent you in the world around me. Here's what Jesus says. Be baptised. Yeah, but... The thing about it is, Jesus, what I want to do is I want to walk with you quite closely. Probably not as close as you think, but I'll I'll just walk with you quite, quite close. And Jesus just comes back and reminds you, just be baptised. Do you love me? Yeah, I absolutely, well, do as I say then. Be baptised. This is a beautiful thing about being a Baptist church, is we have a huge tank here. Anybody who hears Jesus saying to them, Come on, it's time you were baptised. I've known you for a little while. 
or a long time, yet you still have not gone through the waters of baptism. It's one of these things that costs us a little bit. It might feel like a cross. I don't know. Do I have to do that? Yes, you do. Because that's what a follower of Christ does. Some people would turn around and say, yeah, but there are places in the world where there's no water. And at this moment in time, we're heading towards a hosepipe ban, so we might not be allowed to fill it up with water. We'll deal with that. We'll deal with that. Never put an obstacle in the way. When God says to do something, then you do it. And so very often we find ourselves, as we walk with Jesus, that he asks us to do something that takes us outside of our comfort zone. This is what it means to follow Christ. This is what it means to take up your cross. This is what it means is to pay the price. Do you know there are some people in relationships that are not honouring to God? And in their relationships, they need to bring God's honour back in. If you're not in a relationship that's honouring God, then do something about it. Bring it back online. Because you can't walk closely in step with the Holy Spirit if at one moment you are saying, God, I want this, and the next minute you're jumping into a situation which is not honouring to God. I remember Tony Campolo, an American uh, psychologist and preacher. His heyday was probably over in this country in the 90s, and I remember seeing him several times in uh, Spring Harvest. And he talked about a young couple coming to him and, and saying to him, you know, well, we both love Jesus, and we're both going on with God, and, uh, and, uh, but, uh, and we're in a relationship, and, and we're sleeping together, and, and um, you know, we just, we just want to be affirmed that, that we're okay because we're aligned with Jesus, and we think that this is, this is the way that we should be, and, and this is fine, and we're not hurting anyone. And Tony Campolo just said something really, really simple. He said, the next time, you are in a place of intimacy with each other. Instead of hearing those noises of passion, listen out for the sound of nails being driven into beams of wood. Because that's what it's cost him to have a relationship with you. What's it costing you? It might just mean that you've got to change your relationship until it's in a place of honouring him. And then when you're able to honour him, you'll find yourself walking on with him. Do you know what? The number of people who say, I've stagnated, seem to be marking time, things are not going on in my relationship with Jesus. It doesn't take long when we sit down together and we start to unpick parts of people's lives, the things that I watch the things that I read, the things that I hear, the people I spend time with, and all of those things that cause a disturbance between our relationship with our Creator God derails our onward walk with Him. You see, what is it? It's a relationship. What will it do for you? It transform your life. What will it cost? Well, it's a free gift, but there's a price to pay. Are you willing to pay it? Have you paid it? Are you still paying it? And I believe as a church that sees evangelism as part of its core value, first thing we need to do is know what we know. What is it? We are walking around witnessing to a relationship that we can have with a living God. We know what it costs. It's a 
What will it do for us? I mean, we know it transforms lives. If we allow the Spirit of God to touch us and change us, we're not going to be the same. And we know what the cost is. Well, he paid the price. But we carry a responsibility to continue. Because sin is so tempting. The enemy, the devil, his remit is to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he's really good at that. But if we come in line with God's best for us and are willing to pay that price, do you know what? I I, I believe it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 47, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And I want to hold my hands up and say, Lord, do something with me that I would not in any way hinder all those that you want to add to your kingdom, to your church. Whatever's going on in my life, I want to make sure that I am aligned with you, Lord. I'm about your business so that I am not a stumbling block or an obstacle to anyone that you want to save and bring into your family. Do we want to take that on board as a challenge for us? You see, because I just believe that once we have the teaching aligned, once we get our place of fellowship, once we start loving one another and ministering, once our worship is, is aligned, and I'm not saying that we have to get all this perfect before God will add, because God is adding. We're seeing new faces here. But I recognize that God wants more for us, and is going to do more with us and through us. And in recognize again, it's the Lord adds to their number daily, those who are being saved. And we're just saying, Lord, make sure that I'm not an obstacle. I don't want to get in the way. Let's stand together. If any time you're asked, this is really quite a cool one, isn't it? From uh, Luke 18. Everybody says, you know, oh, this, this Jesus stuff, this church stuff, this relationship. What is it? Well, it's simple now. You know the answer, don't you? What is it? It's a relationship with God and you. What will it do? It will transform your life just like it's transforming my life. And what will it cost? It's a free gift that will cost you absolutely everything. It will push you beyond whatever your limitations are. And there's some things that you will have to give up and change. And there's some things that you don't do that you will have to start doing. But you know all that now. How exciting. And the Lord added to their number. Say it with me. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Oh, how fantastic is that? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, help us to not be a hindrance in any way to you calling thousands to you in this place. Help us to radiate your amazing love to the world around us. Lord, would you put your finger on issues or incidents, habits, behaviour patterns, things we think, things we say, things we do that you want to transform even today. We're saying, Lord, have your way amongst us. Would you cleanse us, renew us? Help us, Lord, to come to you, confessing, seeking your forgiveness, being restored and refilled and refueled, that we, Lord, 
will be the people of God that you call us to be right here, right now. Thank you for your amazing love for us. Thank you, Lord, that you welcome us with open arms. Thank you that you were willing to pay the price. Help us, Lord, to walk in the benefit that you have born for us. In Jesus' name, amen.